What are two things essentially Danish? Classic timeless furniture design and a radical green thinking come to mind. Copenhagen as its capital for example will be the world's first carbon neutral city by 2025. It's no coincidence that this was the breeding ground for an ethical design firm combining Scandinavian aesthetics and sustainably sourced materials. Since 2006, high-end furniture and lighting company Mater works both with renowned and fresh designers and a not-so-hidden agenda to inspire consumer behavior and nudge people into sustainable thinking. A distinct passion for wood just recently grew into enthusiasm for plastics. Their ocean collection, initially designed in 1955, is made out of recycled and ocean waste plastic. Old fishnets are turned into pellets, which then become a well-formed slab for a chair or a table. Architects around the world choose major products to complement their projects. From the Royal Opera House in London, Noma's Little Sibling Restaurant 108 in Copenhagen, to Intersect in New York, the list goes on. You're listening to The Idealists with me, Simon, and my co-host Celia. For today's episode, we met Henrik Maastrand at their showroom and office in Copenhagen. As the founder and CEO of Mater, his mission is to solve the global waste problem through furniture design. By balancing idealistic ambitions and practical business realities, he's part of a new generation of entrepreneurs using the power of consumerism for positive change. We began the conversation by discussing his professional background and why he took the leap and started a furniture company. My own personal background is, is, is uh, you know, I'm, I'm a business graduate from Copenhagen Business School right. yeah. back in the days, in the 90s, right? And I've had several leading director positions. Basically, I didn't know, know anything about design or sustainability or manufacturing. When I launched this company in 2006, for me, being a sort of a global marketeer in my uh, in my business life, it's looking at what trends or you map out the mega trends. And back 10, 12 years ago, the word sustainability, whatever that means, came up as something that would be um, something that is timeless and 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 a future business model. But it's sort of when you when you when you map out your business opportunities and say, what can a profile like me, who has always been very entrepreneurial, even in corporate positions and having, you know, all sorts of experiences. And what, 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 what are we known for here? Coming back to our earlier discussions, right? What are we known for here? And we are known for green thinking. We are known for Hans Christian Andersen. We are known for windmills and maybe some medicine, but you know, I don't know anything about uh, all of that, but I know as, as, uh, as growing up, living and experiencing design, you, you you sort of say this this I can take global, but also what is actually the purpose of the next brand? And maybe Amazon was founded just prior to the, the financial crisis, which hit in 07, 08. So we, it was founded in 06. So you do some research and then uh, this sustainability comes up, whatever that means. And it meant for me traveling to um, far, far away destinations. In, in the dirtiest workshops of China, in uh, India, uh, Vietnam, uh, where clearly that the low cost of production is a key thing. And that comes back to the profit model, because this is not charity. This is ice cold business, and I cannot run a business without making money. So I guess uh, what design does is that if you look at the aesthetic of a product, the sheer feeling that I need it 
for the sake of the beauty. That means that some of the extra costs that you have in manufacturing, which is certifications, uh, uh, fair wages, all these things that normally would add up to a higher cost price, which is it does, you can cover that in a discussion about, I just need that. I need that piece of furniture because it is so beautiful. I don't care if I pay more or less for that. So you say that the aesthetics of the, the object or the design is basically covering up that, yep. that uh, yep. kind of nudging people into, into uh, yes. that more sustainable way yeah. of because buying. Because if, if, if you look at really competitive businesses like, 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 like the food sector and all that, and where you have, you have almost daily purchases of things, uh, you want to do the right thing, but you are not able to do the right thing every time because you have a limited budget of you know, how, how much to spend on food and all that. Uh, you want to do it, but it needs to be competitively priced in, let's say, our everyday life. What I saw in this business was that, that these clearly higher production costs that we would need in order to, for instance, have certified wood or, for instance, have a slightly higher wage in some of the manufacturing processes, you can cover that in the aesthetics of that, which I find very interesting with this business, even though it's super, super slow. Mm -hmm. And talking about this business is that um, you are working, Major as a company works with designers, right? They're yeah. external designers. External designers, yeah. And, um, if you say you you put so much value in that aesthetics and and kind of that's your argument right to to sell that product on a slightly higher price yeah how do you select them or how do you come in touch with them and is there a transfer of you know mindset as well or is the mindset coming from outside yeah. you know it's, it's it's a very high or a very certain value set you sh you have to share with them right yeah it's uh, it comes back to when we founded mesa and and again uh, just coming from outside the business is just you know calling up this and that designers like it's so a little bit problematic so so uh, i had a lot of help in the beginning to select a a range of danish or and international based designers who in their heart wanted to say okay i want to do good but how do i convert that into products and this is what 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 we as, as a manufacturing unit must, must let's say, motivate to and say, okay, these are the materials. Uh, and if you look at Mesa today and also compared to, to uh, the, the history of it, it's very earthy. And Mesa means mother in Latin. So that stems from, um, from the word mother, uh, mother earth, right? Or knowing what a responsible mother would do these days, raising her kids. So um, th th that is sort of uh, nested into the word. And when you need to convert that into products, you need to have a very good sit down with the, the, the designers that were commissioned at that time. And you, t you take some, you cut some corners. You cannot do everything perfectly. And that is where I think we have succeeded, where others have failed, is that we accept that we are not there 100% yet from the beginning. Uh, was all the wood certified in the beginning? No, it wasn't. Was was all the aluminum waste we're doing, was that 100% aluminum waste? No. But the important thing for us is how to get there. So, uh, and again, it was important to have an aesthetic, ruthless focus on creating future classics. I'm not saying that that was the original business model, just saying that when things get timeless, You just forget about how it's made. That that's other companies' take on sustainability is is oh yeah, it lasts like two generations. So forget about how it's made. I'm not saying that they say that, but it's sort of if you have nothing else to say, you you say, oh, it's timeless. For me, that is uh, the purest, uh, the, the baddest excuse ever invented in terms of how things are made, because 
then you, you, you basically do not need to change how things are made. What we have challenged, and I must say, this, we've succeeded despite our commitment to sustainability, because in 2006, it's like, yeah, you know, that's the, the trend for the next year. It's like velvet, you know, it, it will change. Uh, next year is going to be different, right? So, uh, and especially the Danish in, uh, industry here was very sort of traditional thinking. Uh, so, and then the financial crisis hit, and, you know, there was a lot of... Uh, problems in, in just getting a new brand executed on a global scale, because when things get tough, you go with the ones you know. And at that point, we were like not known. So it, 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 it prolonged the, uh, the financial goals of the company by, by, you know, five years and so. But it's, you know, if you're very persistent and really say, no, this needs to happen, then then you, you get very stubborn and, and you, you, you just want to execute that. And and when the, the whole thing shifted, we were uh, in a position where we had, uh, luckily, a few products that that already had uh, global uh, recognition as, as some of the future icons, like the Mesa High, high uh, Stool, which again was a ruthless compromise of creating from Space Copenhagen, creating a, a new modern classic. And uh, lucky for us, the whole trend came back with, with wood. It came like, you know, less stainless steel and polished and less plastic and all that. It, it, there was a trend going going into, let's say, darker wood, which we honestly didn't uh, research uh, for. It was sort of, okay, it was a beautiful design product. And that took us global. And as the journey- When was that? Uh, it was part of the launch collection. Yeah. So that was like 2006. Uh, but again, it was not the cheapest product. Uh, back in the early days, it was manufactured in India and yeah, there was different uh, colors in each batch we did and all that. So we knew that at some point we had to, once we got scale, we had to move it. So we moved it back to uh, Europe in uh, two th 2011. And that was where we got the full certification on all the wood we did. We could not achieve that in, the, in destinations far, far away. And is that, Is that also part of the journey that you, because you say that in the beginning, not everything was kind of 100% nope. certified and 100%, you know, sustainable and ethical. Mm. But um, is that kind of part of the journey that you're trying to get more and more into yeah. that direction? Or yeah. and, and is that also cute to or, or bound to financial problems or challenges or well, is this there's more different approaches like if if you if you jump on board really early in new stuff uh, and that is the the last couple of years is like material innovations and all that if you jump really early on board you you just you have to either say okay call me in two years when you got it done like 100 recycled this and that or you jump on board straight away and say well how do we get from 20 to 40 to 60 and then you are very very um loyal to your group of uh, subcontractors. And luckily what we've proven is that we, we, we do come with scale, we do come with volume, and that is something that is so essential in, uh, in getting the whole production uh, motivated to change. Because if you, if you ask for a lot of changes and this and that, and uh, what do you do with your waste, and what do you do with this and that, and your energy sources, and all sort of things that cost a lot of money, and then you buy 10 shares. You know, no, nobody will, go on to that journey. So you have to have long-term commitments and the proof that you're actually able to to put your money where your mouth is. And that is actually go go do it on a, on a global scale. And that means that when we when we did our, let's say, initial um, work in India, uh, we had to say, well, you're not doing this just because you're saving the planet. You are doing this and the changes because you need to earn money. And if 
we cannot argue, at least if you go to the uh, you know, traditional low-cost production countries like India or China, if you cannot make an argument that, that will, in terms of sustainability and changes, that will earn them more money by the end of the day, you can just forget about it. Because the world is run by profit, it's not run by our heart. Even though that we have, let's say, not a hidden agenda, it's now a very transparent agenda that we want to change things, but in the real life, when you, a factory uh, owner needs to pay his workers and all that, he can only pay them in cash, right? So, uh, for instance, if you come with a, a very hard uh, demand in terms of fair wages, and you come and check, and you have internal or external consultancies that come and check. This is you can uh, this is the the stick and the carrot discussion, right? If we say to them now, listen, the reason why you need to pay a fair wage is because by the but in the long run you will as as a workshop you will earn more money. Reason being that if you look at a very high demanding design product, which is very demanding uh, in terms of training the actual craftsman to make because we, we are ice cold. If things are not as expected when a container is opened, the whole thing goes back. And the cost of that, you know, cutting corners and doing work with workers that are less paid, you know, they, they, they don't give a shit. If you're less paid, you're not, you know, committed. You just want to run across the road and get one rupee more to, to your, on in, the, in the next workshop, right? But if you prove that it, it takes six months to train a worker, right? If you pay him a fair wage, he'll stay because we come with volume and we come with work. Uh, if you look at the bowl table, which is a, a very good uh, collection for us as well, which is done in this uh, waste mango, we, are, we have uh, 20 workers nonstop uh, doing this uh, final preparation of the lathe, which is like a traditional Indian production tool non-stop, around the clock, just, uh, and that we we were not able to in the beginning, right? But now it's it's solid work and they need to have a, a really good pay. And we check that and we, um, uh, of course, we negotiate uh, yearly as, as, as the sale has gone. It's like that there's all these discussion will still be going on, but maybe in just in a little bit higher cost price than, than it, it used to be. Right, but but what we what we feel very strong for is that you take a resource like the mango, which is again is is a fruit tree. We we love it and enjoy it in the supermarket, and 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 and, the, and mango is one of India's biggest exports, um, and it's professionally run forests or mango forests. Right, so so once a, the tree ends its productive life as a mango tree, then what happens? You know, you need to cut down them and 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 make room for new trees. So then you have a discussion around what to do with that waste mango. The discussion with, that we come with is, okay, there's a almost zero value waste material lying just around. Why don't we just insource that, try to get a, a, a good global uh, aesthetic design object built into that, and then you nest a lot of profit in, in the entire value chain, providing Profit and income. Um, so that is uh, sort of inherited in the in the uh, in the model here. So you take something that is zero value almost, and then you build profit into that. And design can do that. If we were doing something like like uh, wood flooring or some more generic products, you, you would be in deep deep trouble <laughs> because you cannot add value there. You know that there's some certain price points that is not possible. But if you again back to my point, if if you pay fifty euro more or less for something that is super nicely done. Uh, aesthetically 
attractive, you will you will you will get you know mission accomplished. Um, so yeah, yeah, and but because the the people we're talking to are very much we we're trying to get them on the scale from total idealist to mm. to ice cold businessman. Mm. Mm. Where would you put yourself on that scale? I used to be a very very ice cold businessman, and I have now, uh, as as I'm, I'm running on my 14th year or so with Mesa, uh, moved towards the the more idealistic uh, approach. Honestly. Go, going to work these days is also about changing the future. But I cannot change the future by charity. That is a completely different thing. I, I need to change the world by proving that we are uh, financially strong, that we can create a global business, and that actually there's a demand for that. Uh, not just on consumer level, but on architect level. Because on architect level is really where you have scalability. And this is also, you, you don't see any uh, design brand succeed without a very hard focus on hospitality. Uh, because 400 rooms in a hotel with major furniture, that's a lot, mm-hmm. right? And uh, coming back to your own point where we see the last couple of years, which is uh, maybe we want to turn the discussion in, in, into that focus now because the change has been massive. And this is also why we took an adventure into plastics. Uh, and, and, and especially ocean waste, because it's on everybody's topic. And, and I'm just saying, uh, also having kids, uh, very interested in um, shopping and online shopping, clothing and all that. I'm just saying we can, as parents, we can have opinions about, about how much to spend. But the fact of life is that consumerism is here to stay. And this company was born in the financial crisis. And I have seen when the wheels stop turning, how uh, the entire industry and other in- industries was affected. You know, people are out of jobs, uh, people spend less, uh, the whole thing goes down the drain. And it's just a fact that our global economy, it, it's nested on the thought of consumerism. And if you take that as a way, as saying spend less or stop spending, it will have huge implications and that's a, a sort of a critical factor in our thinking because we uh, we understand that consumerism is here to stay you can uh, advocate to your kids and to yourself okay do i really need that next dress or do you need uh, and, and and sure you would have those discussions but i see our role as manufacturers is to accept that co- consumerism is here you want to say what is the the side effects of the environment and uh, and, 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 and people um, related to production. So that comes back to the ocean waste thing because the ocean waste is sort of, again, a very, very bad, bad thing that has, uh, it, it's, 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 it's something that, you know, consumerism has, has, has created. We should, as manufacturer, be a motivating point of cleaning up. If you asked me three years ago, I, I would never have said, we're going into plastics. And I'd forget about it. You know, we are into earthy materials and all that. Until a very um, uh, entrepreneurial businessman came uh, to us and said, well, this is cleaned ghost net or fish nets. This can go equally into a plastic production cycle. Uh, and it's even less uh, on, the, on the carbon footprint than, than virgin plastic. What can we do with this? And that was what, you know, again, I was saying, okay, uh, that, that's a, that there's room for, for a commercial opportunity here. Because we want, uh, if you keep manufacturing into wood, wooden uh, products, you know, that, that has a certain price point because of the craftsman, because of the price of the raw material. 
because of the price of certified wood. And if you want to move into more, let's say, more attractive price points, you would you would look at these as, as a commercial opportunity. So uh, at, at uh, and two years ago, by coincidence, uh, I had invited myself for for coffee at one of the old design families here, which is the uh, Ditzel Heritage. Uh, and uh, we had a good um, uh, talk with with the sisters that are, that runs the the design heritage and looked at some of the old files and you look at it, it's like Christmas you know when you when you look at these things uh, from a design perspective and suddenly uh, a design came up which is a which, which was a very old chair it is an outdoor chair and it has a a very distinct look and it was perfectly for testing. Uh, these this new material, this uh, ghost net, processed, uh, cleaned net, because it wasn't a full shell. It was smaller uh, slabs. It was ideal for testing. And so it's sort of a little bit coincidence, but also looking at what, what is, you know, uh, a, a calculated risk. Uh, maybe we would have experimented in years to get it right with, uh, uh, there's, there's other brands now that are into, let's say, full shells of this, and they are like, they have massive problems in terms of getting the quality out. But, but is this exemplary for, for the process, how it usually goes? Because you, you oh. have this, you say a businessman or mm. a clever businessman coming along mm. saying, hey, here's mm. a material yep. we are ready to use now. Yep. And the other the other thing is that you're looking for or that you are reaching out to classic designers yep. or, or people who, who already put value in, in creating aesthetics and well, bringing we, that together. Is that the kind of the role of me? Yeah, it's not like uh, I've searched for, for, for a few years of the idea of having a more classical uh, line Uh, that was you know, maybe designed back in the 50s, 60s, because, okay, again, the market, the, the trend is going in that direction. And also, if you if you look at what what is, uh, it's very well known, the Danish design heritage uh, uh, outside Denmark, right? So from from a, from a commercial standpoint, it, it, it was ideal to maybe look at some of the archives. But it's not a, a something that we will only do going forward. It, it could have just as easily been a young, talented uh, Danish designer or Swedish designer or American for that matter. It came across as, as a, a, a few coincidences, but as, as, the, as, the, um, as we've you know, progressed and matured as a brand over the years, we see sustainability as stories. And what we have struggled with is actually to get a very complex story across about ethical and sustainable thinking when manufacturing in, in destinations far, far away. So you would have to have a long discussion about what is fair trade wages, what is uh, energy consumption, what is this and that. Messages that in this day and age where you have five seconds to capture attention, it's, it's impossible to get across. And ocean waste is probably something that, that clicks faster yes. with the people. Yeah. It clicks faster. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of uh, also this thinking about stories rather than the word sustainability that has, you know, for me, gotten completely impossible to, to interpret. Everybody has opinion about what that means. Does it mean a uh, way of, 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 of types of manufacturing or is it something completely different? Can you, can you define it for yourself? Every product must do more good than bad. Ha! How do you how do you how do you measure? How do you measure what's that? What's the scale here? Yeah. yeah, what's the scale here? Now, if you have a thinking that uh, coming back to the question, why launch anything these days? You know, the world has chairs enough. So every product or uh, lighting product we do must deliver more good than bad. So, for instance, the ocean one was that we are motivating through design to clean up the ocean. 
Imagine if that, that product went through the roof. And, and, and idealistic, coming back to you know the idealistic approach, imagine that this was the, say, the next big thing globally. Imagine if we ran out of ocean waste and fishnets. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, idealistically, uh, but that, that, that should be the, you know, the driving force about something that we do because scalability means everything. Cleaning up or changing ways of, of uh, especially waste streams, as we call them here, research waste streams. You know, the ambition is here. Imagine if we ran out. Yeah. And, and talking about uh, scalability is because shifting the, the, the angle a little bit more onto the business side of Mater mm -hmm. is that you're, you're not alone, right? You're, you're working with investors and, yeah. and working with people who are backing you or, or backing the vision maybe yeah. behind Mater. Yeah. Of, for one example is uh, Northeast yeah. Ventures, which, which are also focused on ethical awareness and, and sustainable brands. Can you just a little bit elaborate about how this... How do you select those people or how do you come in touch with those people? Because again, you have to kind of share the same mindset because if they just want to make, you know, the most money possible, they, I don't know if they, if they want to go into a sustainable ethical business world. Well, um, working with uh, professional money and investors uh, is something that, that keeps the business sharp. It keeps your focus on executing your numbers, honestly. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, a handrail for you to... to uh, you know, uh, we, there's been, uh, as the year has progressed, uh, business angels investing in, uh, partners, uh, working partners has, have invested in. And, and, and at some point you say, okay, what is the dream plan here? And if you, if you come up with a dream plan that is executing faster than organic growth would allow, that's ambition, right? So that's why you go to professional money. You say help us live out our ambitions. And our ambitions uh, two years back when they come and came aboard was to say, okay, if we need to scale this faster, what needs to happen? We need to be physically present in what we call earth galleries. You're actually sitting in the first one, which we funded ourselves. It is, it is a branded platform where you step into our stories because people don't get it. If you look at a, a struggling furniture, brick and mortar furniture store that is, you know, uh, uh, the sales are a little bit down and you, yeah, I take a few major products and then you have a chair in the corner and then a light in the other corner and you, 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 you miss out the why completely. Then it just becomes a fight for the aesthetics. May the best product win. Hooray. But if you look at where We really want to make an impression, which is also the, the architects of the world. You would need to invite them into a branded, experienced space. This is why we also have a, this, this draw out here, which is something that the first thing that you meet when you're entering a major gallery, it's not a product. It's material. So, so okay, so, and, and then you have a discussion and then people start to understand, uh, especially uh, the architects of the world and say, oh, I can actually make an impact. And the owner of that hotel can actually make an impact. Oh, how do we make an impact together? How much waste do we want to move into this project? Ah, and how do we speak about it afterwards, after it's launched, after it's opened? And the, the, the new thinking around this, this is also why we invented in, in, uh, invested in our own interior studio, called Earth Studios, right across the, uh, the courtyard here, is to create aesthetically fantastic experiences within hospitality that is completely sourced ethically. Wood waste, 
brick waste, whatever. Essentially, now we can take and renovate an entire suite or room or a hotel, take the wood, put it back as furniture or old bricks, come back as paint. But we're not just doing that for the good hearted sake of it. It's also a branded experience that a hotel needs to provide to the guests in the new modern area. So you not only scale the products or the collection, but also the experiences. Hmm? The experience is key. If you go a few years back, the only th the only sustainable thing a hotel could do was to ask you if you want to leave your towel on the floor for washing. And that was maybe their thinking of sustainability. Today, you, you, you need to go into ex an experience where you say, whoa, this furniture is like, oh, and the entire conference room, oh, that has moved like 15 tons of ocean waste. Oh, fine. And you're sitting on ocean waste. And, and these corporate companies, the clients, they get more and more. Uh, they need to be more and more. Uh, responsible in their entire way of thinking their business. So of course, big companies like here in Denmark, they want to sit in conference rooms where there's a there's opinion about how the entire room came uh, together. Right. Furniture, lighting, walls. So the general na narrative plays yes. for you, right? It's, yes. it's, it's your friend, the general narrative of people asking for more sustainable products, people getting interested in how things are produced, right? Yes. And without any aesthetic compromises, yeah. you, you still need to, to look at the ocean waste as, as well, if you look at the plastic, that still needs to be interesting. That's also why the most research was actually the, 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 uh, the composition of how you touch it. Not like, you know, normal, uh, shiny plastic and all that. No, it has to be a little bit rough. It needs to be sort of, oh, maybe that is some eco thing. Yeah, it is. Maybe you, you, the, the touch and feel of it is, is essential. That's also why the new material researches we are doing, it, it must be interesting as a material. Uh, otherwise, it would be too generic. So it needs to be grinded with something like like uh, the new tabletop we've done together with, uh, with Smile Plastics. Uh, yogurt cup waste is blended with some of the, uh, the aluminum top. So it gives a sort of a marble-ish It looks look. sort of... Sprinkled. Yes, so interesting material. Yeah. It needs to go like that. Or some of the other materials we're currently um, uh, investigating, which is uh, food waste. It's uh, a new collection that is coming, which is partly reused um, uh, or collected food waste from the professional industry. So we're launching a pendant series in uh, partly crushed uh, chicken bone waste. Okay. It looks also also another. Uh, kicker for an interesting story, right? That that's also something which, in a in a split second, you you get interested. What's yes. that? What's that? What's behind that? But it's yeah. a sort of uh, again the network, a designer, very experienced designer, a Danish designer came uh, to me, and she was commissioned out in China to do some uh, some creative consultancy work for for a Chinese uh, store chain. And then she, she met this crazy guy in Hong Kong, which sort of was very idealistic about, about uh, creating or collecting rather uh, all sorts of food waste, uh, fish, uh, even broccoli, blah, 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 all sorts of things. And process it together with some bioresin, which is sort of a, a, a non-toxic uh, binder, because in order for this to create a material, you need to mix it with something, right? And currently, um, the, the material we like the best is, is the crushed chicken bone because it, it looks a little bit like marble, but it's not. And we can produce uh, shapes like, like uh, pendants in it, uh, not too thick, very um, nice. And you, uh, you, would, you would have, but he's only at 
chicken uh, bone waste at the moment. And would I be saying to him, come back in five years when you got it to 80? Or we say to him, we go now. And what do you need in order to get to 50 and 60? New machinery, okay, then we need to you know, sell a lot of pendants, right? But you know, that's part of the journey, part of the commitment, because this is where we see the, the world going. It's, it's a circular thinking. And the, the work we do now is to look at some of the really big corporations' waste streams and say, what can we do with that? And what can we design together with them to put back into their offices as chairs, as tables, as lamps. And the more we know about the topic of plastic and what, what we've learned from, from that is that, uh, and we do take back the slabs. So once it ends, it's, it's life. You know, we will be able, or currently are able to recollect that. Uh, you can take it, the whole thing apart. That can be reproduced three times. And uh, times number four, when you, when you when you grind it and process it again, it will not be stable enough to function as a product. Mm-hmm. If you follow that thinking, you will go to a big corporation and say, okay, give, give me your plastic. Commit to a certain amount of X amount of tons into your own uh, when you refurnish, like conference rooms, meeting rooms, cantinas, mm-hmm. uh, sit-stand tables. If you commit to a certain retake, we guarantee that it will last three cycles of production. So what is the you know, average lifespan of an office chair? Is it five years? Is it seven years? Da, da, da. Once it's done, bring it back. You get a new chair or whatever that can be processed to. So that is why the circle becomes essential and working with big corporations because they can make a difference mm-hmm. and scalability is everything. So what be, uh, happens behind the lines where we, where we do a lot of research is together with some of the, let's say, rather big corporations here uh, who, who are very aware of their waste stream and how their waste stream can become part of their corporate profile. You can sit, literally sit in your own waste, aesthetically nice, because that is what, you know, a design company must, must deliver. But so we don't, we don't, you know, go out and say, oh, let's do that next wooden chair and all that. Yeah, maybe we, we, we do that on occasion. But what we do a lot of work is, is knock on doors and say, well, let's have a look at your waste a little bit. It could be wooden waste, aluminum waste, and plastic waste, which is sort of the three key things we're looking at at the moment, and motivate them to say, okay, how do you take that back in a circle? Because it's cheaper, it's clearly more responsible than making new material. Either way around, it is Mm-hmm. Something that has already been manufactured. Right. And it's also helping them with their, you know, Problem. not not that it's just a story, but it helps them again with their, you know, corporate responsibility, uh, social yeah. Re- yeah. responsibility and, and uh, with topics they are kind of confronted with as well. Yes. And what happens then is if, if a product is then, uh, you know, it's, it's specially designed for them. But if, if a product then becomes part of the mates of family in, in, in the permanent collection, we take it global. So it's sort of a co-thing that we also help take away their, their, their garbage, their issues. And that is a trend that is coming super fast. And we, we are on the, on the forefront of this because we've trained for many years in, in all sorts of things. Uh, in, 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 and, and we see that as, as, a, as a huge thing um, because then we're not just a design brand with a ethical mindset, we are sort of a motivating 
partner for a circular economy within the the circle of a big corporation. Um, but we're doing three major project projects at the moment with uh, three Danish uh, large corporations. So leads, leads to the question: What mm. what would be kind of the if there's a happy end, or what is the future for for major then in that sense? Yeah, because we, we're already talking about mm. the kind of the, the the separate or almost separation between like the consumer business and the you know architect and professional business yeah. in that sense. Yeah, is this like the way you would broaden your business in is more the architectural yes. side? Yes. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, uh, we see uh, we see us as you build the brand in a consumer mindset. By the end of the day, everybody's consumers. Um, so you build the brand in 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 the consumer's mindset, but you execute it in in a corporate world, right? Which then combines the, you know, everyone is is human in a way, or everyone kind of the, the aesthetics is kind of universal yeah. in that sense. But yeah. the scalability is on kind of the one the one end. Yeah, and 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 what get, drives me up in the morning these days is not just to have a new prototype in, but it's also this curiosity about, you know, the other day, you know, looking at, there were some images at uh, at the Danish uh, news channel about about the Roskilde Festival and the tons of garbage that are lying around there. And I'm just saying, now maybe I should, you know, interact with these guys and say, well, what about next year? And can you separate the waste? No, we cannot. Okay, but we can help you maybe because there's uh, right now coming uh, social economical companies where you where you activate refugees and all sorts of people who uh, can maybe be the arms to to separate the things. And once we have the separation, we know how to clean it and to uh, and, and to process it. And maybe then next year, if we could motivate such a large festival to sit on their own ways again, the circular thinking that is what business wise drives me up in the morning. Where can we make Huge impact, massive change, and and a happy uh, customer intent, so to say, and that is a very 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 motivating way of being more idealistic. Uh, we could not have done this ten years ago because then we didn't have the scale or maybe the proof. But the last couple of years, uh, even the global market is more more much more open to addressing the issues that that they leave behind because they manufacture as well. To sum, sum it up a little bit, it sounds a lot to me like you see Mater as an impact company making or using furniture and not a furniture company making or having impact. You are completely right. I couldn't have said it better. But it's part of the journey. And if you are entrepreneurial thinking, you you would you would grab the uh, or or you would actually the road is not like clear cut straight. Uh, you you do some learnings. Then there's a corner, and then you 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 flip your business model a little bit because then the opportunity is bigger uh, because the knowledge we have now and the way that that we need to interact is is very 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 clear. And if you look at the the COP 21 and the goals and and the whole thing where where we have to essentially within the next uh, 10 years we have we have to have we have to make a change. Uh, or, Or then we are at a tipping point where it will be difficult for our next generations, our kids, to tip it back. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more, head over to theidealist.co. As always, there's one more thing we ask our guests, which is, who should we talk to next? I would hope that he has time, but I would, I, he has really been an inspiration for me. Uh, it's uh, the guy who actually run plastics 
which is the company that uh, that cleans the fishnet. Um, so uh, I would I would definitely recommend Hans. Uh, he's the CEO. Uh, very ambitious. They're very ambitious, and they are um, extremely interesting to uh, to visit.